Welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by Draft Kings. I'm Henry Chisholm and I'm here with Dre. Dre, what's up? How's it going, my man? How are your uh, bets going? Well, I came off a hot streak on the weekend, uh, kept that up, uh, plummeted on had a one three day midweek. Um, luckily, we okay. didn't have the show because Ryan was busy golfing with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys had real Tom Brady in the match vibes, you know, like <laughs> struggling from the tee. Not, I, I wish I could have bet on you guys oh. not to hit the fairway. I would have killed. <laughs> um, but then some of the more spectacular, great shots of the day as well. So we, we did what we had to do when we needed to do it, except for the last three holes. Yeah. And then we true. lost. I was actually thinking though, like I almost ordered a TB12 hat just so that, like, if it ever came what? up, like, if somebody, like, shanks something into the woods, just so I could pull out and just be like, hey, here, you should, you should wear this. And I was like, I'm not giving Tom Brady my money. Yeah, totally. It's a, it is a fun idea as, like, a dunce cap on the golf course. So yeah, Maybe, maybe in round two we'll break one out. So, actually, I think you guys kind of cheered me up because while that's going on, I also had action on four different Italian league games. That's what killed the hot streak. But I'm back at it. It was a Jokish night last night in the KBO. Uh-huh. Won that bet, 1-0, and oh, and uh, I had um, a little odds boost parlay thanks to the good people at DraftKings on the golf for Webb Simpson, Nate Lashley, and uh, I forget the third to all hit the fairway on the first hole, and they did, so booyah. Um, wow. Back on the winning streak, ready for this weekend. Lots of great lines, lots of odds boosts. I mean, if you're spending the 4th of July and you don't have action on the hot dog eating contest, frankly, I don't know what you're doing. I, I was looking at Twitter this morning. Well, actually, I got like the Twitter notification that oh. was like DNVR bets, Premier League. Uh, oh, what? I can't remember what you PGA. talked about. And, and PGA and hot dogs. And I was like, well, what could they possibly be saying about hot dogs? And then I was listening. I was like, oh, of course, there's the hot dog eating contest, which I, I, I haven't even thought about in years. I, I haven't even considered like the fact that Joey Chestnut is still going strong. Oh, yeah was kind of like a moment for me like oh wow joey chestnut that's my childhood i he's he's still around like i thought that man would be like 70 by now but yeah that's that's pretty crazy that the answer was to bet on joey chestnut right yeah yeah there's several options to bet on joey chestnut i would suggest most of them so did you did you end up taking him to break the record yeah yeah because i'm getting an odds boost at plus oh that's right that's right I'm going to have to get in on that too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just wish there were football. And you know what? There is. There's plenty of football props you can bet on right now. That's you true. can. We talked about all the props you can bet on on the 2021 draft. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, but you can't win any money on it. I have well, way I too... I think it's July. There's never been football in July. I mean, I, I don't know. know what to tell you. <laughs> but there's been at least like the thought of training camp being two weeks away. And I guess there I w- still is. I wonder if we would have got some spring training games lines. They would have, mm. but still. I know that yeah. college is being – the college sports with legal betting is a little funny, but um, still, cool. Oh, I just 
thank you to the good people at DraftKings Sportsbook for being our presenting sponsor here. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yep, we love them. I yes. just got uh, the uh, message that apparently I didn't realize that it was my turn to make a pick in a Dynasty Fantasy League. Oh, no. Yeah. And maybe at some point later in the show, I'll have to uh, give you a couple options and see who you like. I think so. It's a draft pod. Nothing fits better than that. So uh, please feel free to interrupt any segment we're in to get into this because I, I truly it is uh, exactly on topic. So I think it's kind of your requirement at this point. All right. Well, it's going to take a second to like pull things up. So we're not going to wait on it That's now, fine. That's I'll, fine. I'll work on it in between and let you know when we're ready to make a pick. No worries at all. Okay. Um, well, yeah. today's plan, because yeah. we haven't gotten to that point yet, uh, is to talk through the AFC South. I think one of the more interesting divisions in the NFL, and I think one that actually was my DraftKings pick of the week this week on the Buffs podcast, to take the Texans to win that division. They're plus 350 to win that division, and I think that they are – I mean, I think they. you could make an argument they should be the favorite – mostly based on my belief in Deshaun Watson. Um, but we'll dig into that in a second. Afterward, we will get into the linebackers, um, which mm-hmm. is, you know, one of the fun groups, I felt like. One of the groups you talked about a lot before the draft. And I think we we'll, both are antsy to talk about Justin Sternot. I know we are. we are. We yes. are. And how football should be coming back sooner than it is. But we'll get into that. Let's hope. And well, Davion Taylor, of course. And Davion so. Taylor. There's a, Buffs, there's a Buffs angle. There's a Broncos angle. We've got you covered. We've got lots of questions from uh, some of our, our usual usual suspects doing great work for us. So, yeah, excited as always to be back on with you, my dear friend. But first, a little more about DraftKings Sportsbook. It really is the best way for you to be betting on sports, especially if you're in Colorado. You know, they're in other states too. Um, but the specials that they have, on Broncos players and on like all sorts of Denver sports. I mean, you can get odds boost on or at, at different points. You could at least get odds boost on the abs to win the cup to bet oh. on the nuggets to do stuff. You really got to pay attention because they really are designing their sports book to fulfill the needs of Colorado Denver sports fans. fans, which is a really cool thing. It's amazing. What's what's like your favorite Colorado specific DraftKings thing I mean, that has happened so far. So, a there are our special um, props that we're adding all the time to. Like right now, you can take Sutton and Judy to score more touchdowns than the Kansas City Chiefs uh, win games, which is a beautiful one. But the most Colorado one of all that they have right now on uh, the sportsbook app is going to be. At plus 5280, you're getting an odds boost for the Avs to win the cup, which are like one of the most bet on um, of all on DraftKings mm-hmm. Sportsbook because I get all their stats. And the Nuggets to reach the Western Conference Finals. Those two things happen, plus 5280. You're making a boatload of money even if you bet just a little bit, and it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of dnvr it's america's top rated sportsbook app it's i mean it's the place to go and the best part is there's a sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars and if you use the code dnvr then you can get in on that bonus again for 
for a limited time, all new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. The code is DMVR, um, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Beautiful. All no right. app I'm using more right now. So yeah, please check it out because uh, really I can't get enough, but I, I enough love, about that. I love that my phone like suggests apps for me. Like, mm-hmm. like when you just like pull it down, it's like, do you want to open? Yeah. And I opened it at, like nine o'clock last night and the suggestions were Chipotle or Uber Eats. And I was like, oh no, what am I doing with my life? I'm getting <laughs> these suggestions. But then also like, it's, it's about this point in the afternoon where the suggestion is DraftKings because this is the point in the day where it's like, okay, I've been working, take a little break, see what, see what tonight's looking like. Uh, but it is a great app. Yeah. Um, the AFC South, what team do you want to start with, Dre? Oh, we've been going through, well, we, we we've been going by draft order, haven't we? Yeah. So the Jaguars, Jaguars would be were first. first. Yep, yep, yep. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you know, the Jags with two first-rounders and a ton of picks on day three really had a lot of pressure to to nail it, and obviously they got a lot of uh, very good players. I think they missed out with two picks in the top 20, though, not one player that I had grading out as a round one talent. Three in the top 50, though, which is important. Um, and five ultimately in the top 100. Look, they they did what they needed to. Did they exceed expectations? Far from it. It's right around that C-plus range for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good grade. Um, to run through the specifics, you know, their first mm-hmm. pick was ninth overall. They took C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. Yeah, one of the biggest moments for Broncos fans as we were waiting for someone like Jerry Judy to drop into their lap was the Jags reaching on cj henderson guy we followed all year week zero we were watching him together at blake street um Mm -hmm. and noticed him get burnt a couple times um and he just kind of had a down year and you know he's a corner who's very versatile and he's got those high-end traits so i can understand why he was picked this high but there's a lot of projection here and you know to have just traded away a guy like jalen ramsey for the 20th pick and then reach on C.J. Henderson for the ninth doesn't feel like the best uh, best use of resources. No, and and part of the reason, and I feel like this is almost unfair. Like there's a double standard. But if the Patriots had made that pick, I would be like, sure, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> but for the Jaguars to yeah. use such a high pick on a guy who you're drafting because of his tools and not necessarily because of what he did in college and saying we can develop this guy it just feels like a bad idea like that's not a coaching staff that I would bet on to be able to turn this raw piece of clay into a very good cornerback because you know just just to clarify in case anybody's thinking well they were able to produce Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey was a pretty refined prospect out of college wasn't he and extremely versatile could have been, you know, I think the best free safety 
in the entire NFL. He was a consensus top three prospect that year. I forget if I slapped an elite grade on him or if he was just a top 10 grade, but still rarefied air with the grade I ended up giving him. I mean, the talk as that draft was, what are the Cowboys doing taking a Zeke Elliott, who again, phenom in college for a running back, top five prospect, rarefied air for him as well but everyone was saying like dude Jalen Ramsey is just that good a prospect to pass up on him and he we saw what he a guy like Ramsey did for that defense that Saxonville defense that was uh, this close to beating the Patriots and going to the Super Bowl and that's another kind of theme of this Jaguars draft is feels like a franchise who's only found one way one season to win and they're trying to follow that same formula Mm -hmm. instead of maybe you know drafting a quarterback and uh, figuring things out uh, that way or drafting a wide receiver and building up that group or, you know, going after an offensive tackle. Um, Just seems like, boy, we're going back to the well, trying to rediscover the formula for Saxonville. And, you know, if you're hoping to, for lightning, lightning to strike twice with a prospect like CJ Henderson, to be Jalen Ramsey, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yep. And, and, and again, uh, what they did, I mean, there, there were a lot of things going on. Jalen Ramsey didn't want to be there, and that was a big thing. Yes. And yeah. that needs to be included in the discussion. You know, they didn't really have the option to keep Jalen Ramsey. But when yeah. you look at this as a pure football uh, scenario and ignore the fact that Ramsey wanted out, what they did was – trade a player for the 20th pick and then that meant that they had to use the ninth pick on a worse player right that's just a very clear net loss you know if they keep him then they can use number nine on whatever position they want if that's still edge rusher like Caleb Von Chasson you know there there weren't many options there but maybe instead of drafting a Visca in the second round they could have taken a Jerry Judy, a C.D. Lamb, a Henry Ruggs at that spot, yep. and yep. then gotten a Caleb on Chasson quality of edge player with the pick they used on LaVisca Chenault. Um, yeah. And, or and maybe a slightly more limited corner with maybe not quite the upside of a C.J. Henderson, but a, a, an almost equally as reliable plug-and-play starter who, if you can cover him up with scheme a little bit, you know, I think of uh, the TCU kid who's... Um, Jeff Gladney? Yeah, Jeff Gladney, I think, had you could have waited to get him in that Visca pick and got like a, a CD Lamb with this selection and maybe, you know, looked a little better as well. Um, and, you know, I, I love Jacksonville's draft last year with Josh Allen and then Juwan Taylor, who was like first-round grade in the second round um, and Josh Allen obviously had a great rookie season as an edge rusher. Yeah. It just seemed like, I don't think they with all the picks they had early, I don't know that they really tackled the strengths of this draft by going with the second best corner, the best edge rusher. Chasson was a tough one to find a spot with in mocks. Mm-hmm. You know, he was all over the place. I mean, both these guys drafted at nine, and 20, as I said, don't grade out as first-round grades for me. Uh, Henderson, 27th on my board. Chasson, 30th. This got a pick that I love, 24th on my board. And obviously, as you know, would have been ranked much higher if not for the injury concerns. Yep. And, and again, I, I really like what you said about not focusing on the strengths of this draft. 
because it was a pretty weak cornerback draft and it was a pretty weak edge rusher draft. And those were needs that they created for themselves by trading away Jalen Ramsey, by losing the guys they already lost um, up front, the pass rushers, but then also Mm -hmm. by the fact that they're trying to get rid of Yannick Ngakwe or Yannick Ngakwe gets out or whatever's happening there. Sketchy ground. He isn't going to be a Jaguar for long. And that's why you had this needed, a position where you don't want to have a need. And again, it all just comes back to this being not a good organization. An organization where the NFLPA has come out and said, hey, about a quarter of all complaints against a a team coming from NFL players have been against this team because they're trying to grab back any money they can for missed workouts because they're crossing all of these lines. This is a bad organization and bad organizations make bad decisions in the draft, Mm -hmm. but also they put themselves in bad situations in the draft. And I think that before we can tell whether these were bad decisions, we at least do know that they put themselves in these bad situations. Yeah, for sure. And I know Tom Coughlin created a lot of that atmosphere and they've got rid of him and we'll see how that changes things. Hopefully for Visca, at least we hope that it's going to be a much better environment than that is. And look, at the end of the day, to get three guys ranked in my top 30 with those first three picks, it's not a fail. That's why it's still yep. a C+. But you kind of put it perfectly. They're fighting an uphill battle from the start because when they have drafted good guys, then they're not able to retain them. I mean, Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey, dude, those should be the building blocks for one of the premier defenses in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. After quarterback and offensive tackle, if you're building a defense in the in the NFL in 2020, those those are the premium positions, edge rusher and cornerback. Yep. So um, they're fighting an uphill battle. Davion Hamilton, early third, doesn't move the needle for me. I love the Ben Barge pick mm-hmm. at the beginning of the fourth. They have their young tackles, so he'll be perfect. Um, uh, move to guard, whereas length won't be nearly as much of an issue. And then we've got... Uh, Josiah Scott. Moore. Eight more day three picks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, three fourth rounders, two fifth rounders, two sixth rounders. Colin Johnson and Jake Lutton only – or Colin Johnson, the massive wide receiver from Texas, the only guy I had a draftable grade aside from Barch with all those picks. So not sure they cleaned up there the way they had to. Um, so, yeah, just a bit underwhelming. Yep. And, and you know, they, they took four defensive backs in this draft. Mm-hmm. that's a need yeah. but it just feels like that was kind of just a shotgun blast we're gonna i mean with when you have three fourth round picks two fifth round picks two sixth round picks you have the opportunity to move up and if instead it's of true. taking a, a, a cornerback in the fourth round a safety in the fifth round a cornerback in the seventh they could have if they wanted to just moved up and take in one better prospect. And it almost feels like, you know, you mentioned Tom Coughlin is gone and he was in charge of everything on the football side. It almost feels like they weren't willing to bet on themselves to make the right picks. No team needs this many guys to come in, you know, yeah. multiple receivers as well. I, uh, I like a lot of the players. Uh, mm-hmm. I think yep. Shaq Quarterman gets a lot of hate because he isn't the modern move linebacker, yep. but you need to be able to tackle football players. You need to have somebody who can do that. Like we don't love Todd Davis, but we specifically don't like Todd Davis because he's next to an Alexander Hamilton before I was next to a Brandon right, Marshall. And, yeah. and Oh yeah. Sorry. But, but uh, 
Wow. I've been, I watched like this Hamilton Washington. on the mind. Huh? I've, I've, I watched wow. this George Washington documentary. It's called like Washington on the history channel. It's like seven hours. And there is a very large Alexander Hamilton. Like he was very close. To we don't need to go down the history road, <laughs> but that Please, is, no. he, he is on my mind. But okay, yeah, good. I just, it, it, it's not a draft that I love. Uh, one note on Visca though, just cause it's relevant with all of this. Um, yep. and, and we kind of talked like he's somebody who you have to use creatively and can they do this? Can Jay Gruden do this um, with this offense? And, um, I have talked to him is when I asked him and so like are you going to be moving around you're going to be playing running back times like he like looked at me and like almost kind of laughed it's <laughs> like mm. why do you think they drafted me it's like yeah of course and so we don't have to worry about that all that much I think we've gotten to the point where everybody knows this like three four years ago how do you use Cordero Patterson that type right. of thing who right. I don't like the comp and don't want that to get yeah, twisted yeah, yeah. but that was a question and there has been this movement where now even the casual NFL fan is like well yeah you you gotta use this guy correctly the same way with Debo Samuel or any of those guys yeah. and coaches are coaches understand that the, the 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 time when they didn't know that you have to use specific players in different creative ways I think that time has just passed no, and I mean, I think people embrace versatility now. You see a guy like Christian McCaffrey, everyone wants to reproduce that. Obviously, Visca, much different type of athlete and size, but you could use them in similar sets from time to time and make them a really dynamic way. And, you know, I like the receiving core of DJ Chark and now Johnson with the size and now mm-hmm. Visca. I mean, there, there's stuff to build with. Fournette, though, is another uh, bad apple there, another unhappy player I who... Know who might be traded. So, you know, we'll see the big season for, uh, for the Jags. I do think that um, hiring Gruden's brother as the OC um, could help that offense. And I, I do kind of like Minshew. So but yep. we don't need to spend too much time on the Jags because they will be irrelevant this year, no matter yep. what happens. I think that that is just fair to say at this point. Um, next up after them was the Titans. The Titan. Oh, wow amazingly only two teams had uh <laughs> had first round picks and the jags had two and the titans all the way drafting at 29 not quite cj henderson level i mean i i contemplated this pick long and hard in my mock i actually forget if i locked it in but isaiah wilson definitely seemed to be in the mix because he fits that run first identity that um you know, we're just going to line up mano y mano. We're going to be bigger, more powerful. Let's see if you can handle us. And, uh, you know, having him lead the way on those little outside tosses that Derrick Henry can be so devastating on uh-huh. sounds, uh, sounds appealing. Now, if they're ever down by two possessions, um, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill might want to watch his back because that right tackle spot with a 20-year-old like Wilson is going to be tricky and not necessarily one of the better value picks in round one, according to my board. Um, and an intriguing pick with Christian Fulton at the end of the second round. The um, very talented corner out of LSU, who some have neck and neck with C.J. Henderson. You know, similar profile. Mm-hmm. I, not yeah. a great season, but he checks off a lot of those boxes and has those premier skills at cornerback to be a lockdown corner. The big thing is going to be how do they replace Logan Ryan, who didn't have that same natural talent necessarily, 
But Ryan was key for them playing in the slot, moving outside. He's a bigger slot corner, and being able to have that bigger slot corner who is a very reliable tackler Mm -hmm. made that run defense for the Titans essential. What's Christian Fulton's biggest knock? The tackling. Right. And as somebody who has Logan Ryan in the DNVR Madden League, I can tell you, putting him in the slot, putting safeties at linebacker, like having that tackling there, it allows you to go smaller inside, have more speed all over. Mm -hmm. And I I do think that that's a massive loss. And I really like what you're saying about how they're trying to be physical. Like, embrace Derrick Henry. That is your energy for this entire team, big and physical and mean. And there aren't too many guys who are bigger and more physical and meaner than Isaiah Wilson. For all the knocks he has, I don't like him as a first-round draft pick but I like him as a first round draft pick for the Titans a lot better than I'd like him for a lot of other teams. I I do think that this is a team that has to build from the trenches out Mm -hmm. and uh, Christian Fulton, we'll see how it goes, but they kind of need him to pan out because I think I'm not, I'm not all the way bought in on the Titans. I think that they got kind of lucky. I think that they play good Mm -hmm. playoff football, but in terms of winning a division, uh, yeah, um, no, I just right. don't, I, I'm, I got to see it again. Yep. Well, and they just replaced Jack Conklin, a guy who got yep. paid handsomely with Isaiah Wilson, super raw dude who can barely drink legally. You know, uh, you watch Georgia. Wilson was, Wilson had his issues in pass protection, but he's mm-hmm. a massive man, powerful. You refine those skills. He, he could be, um, a big win and, Fulton replacing Logan Ryan with Fulton, big gamble. So yeah, you're right. All of a sudden, your your Houston Texans pick to win the division becomes a little more intriguing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Weird what they did in the third with Darrington Evans. That's I'm excited about this because well, first off, they have arguably the best running back in the NFL. Certainly the first most team uh, all pro. As far as most valuable running back to a certain team, I don't think anyone comes even close to Derrick Henry, even Mm -hmm. Zeke Elliott um, and Christian McCaffrey and those kind of guys. Um, So you're living and dying by Henry anyways. Definitely want to change a pace. Definitely want someone who can do more stuff, right? Since Derrick Henry, dare I say, is a bit one note. Um, Darrington Evans, of all the guys, you know, I wrote up a whole piece on – um, kind of the hybrid players I liked in this draft and Antonio Gibson and Darius Anderson um, and all these guys, JJ Taylor of Arizona. Yeah. I didn't have Darrington Evans that high. I watched his tape. I think the quickness is intriguing. Speed isn't otherworldly, but it's fine. Um, don't see a ton of receptions, but it's fine. In the top hundred though, it's a lot for, for a team that doesn't even have a fourth rounder. And some of the guys I just mentioned, like Anderson and CJ Taylor didn't even get drafted. Eh, you know, you're looking for basically a gimmicky guy, right? To use a top hundred pick for that, I think is a, a poor use of uh, resources. So you went with two boomer bus guys and then you kind of went with a luxury pick. I don't know. They're in a tight window. They've got an important opportunity. Are you maximizing the, that window with those three picks? You're certainly taking some big gambles with those first two, and I'm not so convinced about that third pick. Yep, and, and for me uh, specifically, I'm looking at Anthony McFarland. If, if you're taking a running back right there, mm, I think that when you're trying to replace Deion Lewis, yeah. I yeah. think that he brings a little bit of that versatility. He lets yeah. you throw the ball a bit out of the backfield. And uh, I, I agree. With I mean, you, if you're, unless you're really sure that Darrington Evans 
is going to be something special and that he's undervalued by everybody else and you can't risk blowing even the value of having him in the third round, the late third round, why are you using that pick? There's a good chance that you're going to be able to snag him with your next pick in the fifth round and you can actually get somebody who's worthy of a third round pick right there. Right. And, and worst case scenario, he's off the board. Well, guess what? Anthony McFarland, I guess he was a fourth round pick, but he still had like Eno Benjamin going in the seventh. Oh, As you God. mentioned, who didn't get drafted. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that, that that second running back to Derrick Henry, having somebody who is versatile, I do think that that is important for that team. Yeah, totally. Um, and then day three picks, the notable pick is going to be using a seventh rounder on uh, another boomer bust pro- product in Cole McDonald, uh, the quarterback from Hawaii. Fun watch. He can also be maddening. You know, so it's a team without a fourth rounder drafting at the end of each round with just two sevenths, um, no sixth rounder even. You know, they came away with one guy, one prospect in my top 50, two top 100 prospects. It's a D, and they could make me look like a fool in a few years if McDonald and Wilson and uh, Fulton turn out to maximize their potential. Um, this could look like a really great class. But I think sometimes, and the Broncos were guilty of this when they were winning a lot with Peyton, you, you sometimes can get a little too cute when you're drafting at the end of each round. Shoot, I think the Patriots do this. and mm-hmm. We talked about how the Seahawks mm-hmm. do this. You get a little too cute when you're drafting at the end of each round. It's almost like you get in your head and you're like, oh, we're fighting an uphill battle, so we need yeah. to think differently from everyone else. And it's like, dude, don't overthink this. Play the board, you know, like. On this pod, I've talked a million times about the second tier of offensive tackles, and uh, Wilson was squarely in that, and I don't – it was a reach, and, you know. I think you summed it up well. This is a team without a fourth-round pick, without a sixth-round pick, a team that is picking at the end of the rounds but maybe doesn't deserve to be picking 29th in every Mm -hmm. round. I don't think this is the fourth-best team in in the NFL, and that means that they can't – blow any of their picks and it is very important that isaiah wilson pans out and it is important that christian fulton pans out and if either of them don't then that's the kind of stuff that sends you kind of like what happened to the broncos down to the very bottom of the league very quickly sets you back sets you back a couple seasons so yep especially when you shouldn't be picking at 29th in the first place that's right yeah so for sure uh what what was next Let's see. Pulling up the second Indianapolis round. Colts. Okay. And as you know, in my grades, just pure draft grades, because they are, after all, draft grades, I don't factor in trades. But it's worth mentioning the reason the Indianapolis Colts didn't have a first rounder is they swapped that straight up uh, for the Forrest Buckner, um, which gave the and they gave up the 14th pick right to the San Francisco yep. for the 13th rather. And um, and if defensive line was their biggest need, then they could have grabbed. Let's see who. Let's see because Derek Brown was off the board. Javon Kinlaw was still there at 14. So essentially, wasn't yeah, he? that's right. Yep. So so they could have traded. The trade ends up being Javon Kinlaw for DeForest Buckner. And obviously the money and the contract plays a big role, but I think that that's a good deal. It's a solid deal. It's a solid deal for a team with a lot of cap who intelligently didn't just spend it on the top, you know, name in that free agent class. They kind of hoarded that cap. They waited for an opportunity like this. And they said, if we're going to use our cap, 
we're going to use it on a guy who's a true stud who deserves to be that to get that kind of money who can be a building block for our defense and we couldn't you know that's a rare talent you can't just find in free agency so exactly I, um, and solid trade I'd say. yep as you said they were patient they waited for the right opportunity and that one flared up instead of spending it early and if that mm-hmm. hadn't flared up then maybe they'd be in on Yannick Ngakwe. Maybe they'd be in on Leonard Fournette. They could say that's how they address running back. Maybe they would have been in on uh, David Njoku now, although I guess that's not really a big money deal. But but those opportunities do come up, so it wasn't like a risk to hold out and hope that they had right. the opportunity. Right. Um, their and first pick. Oh, yeah, started off the draft with a bank, man. Yeah. I mean – that we, I know we both loved what they did in day two because mm-hmm. we've been talking these guys up um, all season. Michael mm-hmm. Pittman, what a great pick. They've been needing a complimentary receiver to T.Y. Hilton's speed for years. Now they have this amazing contested ball um, wide receiver, smart, bright guy, um, definitely stood out um, for his IQ when I spoke to him at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. And deceptive speed, I mean, he... He straight up beat the Buffs almost single-handedly with some amazing yak ability. Um, so we saw that open field speed there. Really like that pick at the top of the second round. That's right where we had him. And then to get Jonathan Taylor as well, they, um, they did a whole series. This is now two years the Colts have done like a web series following their front office and the picks they made. They're, they were undecided between Pittman and Taylor to start the second round and ended up getting away with drafting both of them. Um, And dude, Julian Blackman, our guy. Everyone had Burgess, the other Utah safety ranked ahead of him. We liked Blackman more and the Colts agreed with us. Um, So I felt justified by that. Uh, Really like those first three picks. They're just solid players, man, who fit needs. Um, yeah, that this is a good situation for, for those three prospects for sure. And that's exactly it. You know, it, they're good fits for this situation. Michael Pittman was the 34th player picked. I don't think he was the 34th best player in this draft. I feel like he's more in that 40 to 50 range. Um, but you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the Broncos drafting Cortland Sutton. When they have Emmanuel Sanders, who still has plenty left in the tank, who is similar in a lot of ways to T.Y. Hilton. And so you add this big physical presence. Is Michael Pittman going to be uh, an all-pro? I doubt it. I don't think that he's that diverse Mm. of a skill set. But, you know, if if he gets the footwork right and everything breaks well for him and he really is the same contested jump ball monster in the NFL that he was in college, then sure, it's possible. But I think that at that point, you had some other guys that may have had a little more upside still um, than Pittman. But he fits so well, and I trust him to go in there and be able to do something. Um, Jonathan Taylor, obviously great pick. That's potentially the best running back in the class. And then you summed up Blackman well. I I love what they did on day two. Yeah, killed it on day two. I mean, that trade on day one could get a good grade. So three top 100 prospects for me, two top 50, really took care of business there. Uh, Day three, I wasn't too impressed. You know, Jacob Eason's going to be the big name. They go with a small school guard and uh, Danny Pinter from Ball State. Um, Isaiah Rogers, corner from UMass, double down on wide receivers. Um, Desmond Patman from Washington State, not a guy I expected to get drafted. 
maybe they got a little cute on day three, but got to love what they do on day two. It's a B minus for me, right in that range. B, B minus. They, they took care of business nicely. Yep. And I only really have one note on day three. You know, we were not high on Jacob Eason. I am very low on Jacob Eason. Mm -hmm. But the truth is somebody was going to draft him because he does have the talents that he has. And I think that there are plenty of similarities between his game and Phillip Rivers' game. And so I think that putting him behind a guy like Phillip Rivers will bring out some more of the qualities that he needs to – to, to round himself out and, and be somebody who you can actually play at the NFL level. I'm still betting against that happening. And that's obviously assuming he's picking up what Philip rivers mm-hmm. is offering and Philip rivers is even offering anything. But in terms of a fit, I like the fit, even if I don't like the prospect. Yeah. Um, if I'm Jacob Eason, this would have been one of my top three or four franchises to end up in. So yep. it's a, uh, it's pretty perfect for him. Um, so of course, renowned quarterback guru, who's Carson Palmer? Jordan Palmer was telling yep. me how he thinks the NFL is kind of done with uh, big-armed guys who can't move. And Jacob Eason yep. really stood out to me when he said that. May, per my grades, though, the best draft in the entire division is the Houston Texans, who've been killed the entire offseason. They keep trading away their first-round picks. Um, this one they traded away, what, for Laramie Tunsil? Yeah. Yeah, so this was one of those Dolphins first round picks. And yet they ended up with a guy who, you know, if you believe the rumors, and I do in this case, um, if they did have their first round pick, they would have taken Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle from TCU, a guy I had ranked 26th. Take away some of the injury concerns from him missing his um, second to last year. And the fact that he's just slightly undersized for an interior defensive lineman, he would have easily carried a first-round grade. Loved his tape, loved his ability to penetrate, loved his strength at the point attack as a run defender as well. So he's got that premium quality, but he doesn't drop off much. What really stood out about Blacklock, how well he played in the red zone. Mm. Offenses would get in the final 20 yards. He would really step his game up and play at another level. Um, Again, a guy with big upside, nice versatility, but also um, reliable in the areas that matter. Getting him, um, you know, mid-second round, eighth pick of the second round, I think is a great get. Um, Huge for that defensive front that's lost Clowney and can't rely on J.J. Watt to stay healthy. And Uh, lost D.J. Reader as well. Yeah, yeah, good good point. Yep. They needed to support J.J. Watt. Even though he does have like injuries and all that kind of stuff, he's still their best player. I I mean, I guess Deshaun Watson is kind of the interesting one, whether like positional value is a part of that could be a debate, but you got to do something to put JJ Watt in a good situation. The same way that the Broncos we've seen have put Von Miller, who is still the Broncos best player in my mind. You know, there's, there's like Justin Simmons is going to take, surpass him soon Bradley Chubb could surpass him soon no offense Cortland Sutton could soon but I still think Von Miller is the best player on that football team in the same way that J.J. Watt is even though he might not be for long so bring somebody in who can support him and if all goes well maybe even replace him in a couple years as that best player when the time comes they've lost some of that defensive identity that they had yeah no they needed somebody like this to bring that Mm -hmm. back 
And then they double down with uh, finding that defensive identity again, trying to fill that hole that's been left from Clowney um, and adding Jonathan Grenard, who mm-hmm. Louisville transfer follows his defensive coordinator to Florida, really blows up in the SEC. Not a guy that I loved because I, I talk about premium traits a lot. I think he lacks those premium traits as an edge rusher. Um, that bend, that that burst, that you know, the ability to be like a truly elite NFL pass rusher, mm-hmm. which again, second most coveted position in the game. Yep. So it's no knock to be lacking those super hard to find premier, premier traits. But they do have Whitney Merciless, and they do have some talented inside linebackers. Grenard is extremely versatile. I trust him in all phases of the game. As a stand-up edge in a 3-4, he can drop back. He can move sideline to sideline. He can set the edge. Um, reliable in space, reliable tackler, high character, team-first guy. Perfect. Perfect complementary piece to fill in. This front seven got significantly better in this draft um, with these two picks. And don't, don't love the other three picks. Um, on day three, Charlie Heck, I think, is a reach. The offensive tackle from North Carolina. John Reed, um, the Penn State cornerback. Bill O'Brien probably knows him because, um, you know, he wasn't coaching at Penn State that long ago. And Isaiah Coulter, they just lost DeAndre Hopkins. They get this big wide receiver from Rhode Island. Not saying he's the same player by any means, um, but the strengths to his game aren't that far off D. Yeah, exactly. Um, to go back to Greener and his fit in the front seven, I I love the physicality. Like mm, like nope, that nope, is nope. what he brings, and that nope. is what they have everywhere. Blacklock with JJ Watt with the physical mm-hmm. linebackers behind him, and sure he he may not have like the elite pass rushing speed. Like he doesn't have Vaughn's bend and closing ability and yeah. just the general speed. But in the same way that you said Isaiah Coulter is kind of in the same mold as DeAndre Hopkins, Jonathan Greenard is in the same mold, I think, of Jadavian Clowney. Maybe a little bit smaller, but still just built on that physicality. And it won't be the same by any means because he is not as good, at least at this point in his career. It'd be an upset for him to surpass Jadavian Clowney, but he does have that same kind of physicality that I I like. Yeah, lacking the premier traits, but... He, he does give you some strength on the edge, which is nice. And I think compliments merciless. You know, you don't necessarily need another devastating mismatch. You just need a guy who you can trust out on the edge. And I think he does that for them. So in the end, for me, it's a B. Um, you're looking at two top 100 prospects, one in my top 30 for a team that didn't draft um, until the 40th pick. I'd say that's a, that's a nice haul. Yeah. Um, before we move on, uh, my question is, if you had to pick the order that these teams finish in the AFC South, all four of them, what order would you guess? The Colts are the really tricky one, right? Because mm-hmm. you kind of love that team to some extent. Mm-hmm. But I'm so unconvinced by the quarterback. And yet, if there's a coaching staff that can get the best out of someone like Phil Rivers, maybe it is Frank Reich in that group. And the fact that they have a backup like Jacoby Brissett makes you feel a little safer. You know, and the Texans, tough, but I think it is the Texans just because that uh, 
that quarterback advantage is so massive. I'm not as low on the Titans as some other people are, um, but it's undeniable they've gotten a little worse too, and they've the book on them I think has been written just a little. Um, so Tannehill's really going to have to maintain that high level of play for them to stay in contention. So just barely, I'm going to say the Texans, but I'm not a uh, I'm not fully sold. Okay. Here are the DraftKings Sportsbook odds. The Colts are the favorites to win the division yeah. at plus 110. People like those Colts. The Titans are second at plus 180. The Texans mm-hmm. are third at plus 350. And then the odd. Jaguars are fourth at plus 2,000. And I think, I think all of those first three teams are on a pretty even playing field. Oh, yeah. And for me, I'm going to take the quarterback, and that's Deshaun Watson. And plus 350 odds compared to plus 110, plus 180, that's just such a great value that I had to throw something down. Yeah. And just quickly, I think the Texans definitely are easier to match up against without DeAndre Hopkins. But that offense might be more well-rounded with Randall Cobb, with Kenny Stills, with a great receiving back like David Johnson. Um, maybe Deshaun will be able to spread the wealth a little more. If Will Fuller can stay healthy, he's been the key to that offense and their mm-hmm. ability to create big plays um, regardless of Hopkins. Um, so and he said the same, Deshaun Watson said that same thing, that Will Fuller is the key. Oh, yeah. He has like a great thing on NFL Game Pass that's free. I think it's on the NFL YouTube too where he just breaks down some mm-hmm. film. And I think it was Kurt Warner who says, so what's different about your offense when you have Will Fuller? And I loved what he said, and that's why it stuck with me. But he said, well, nothing changes with our offense with Will Fuller. We do the exact same thing that we do with anybody there. What's different is how the defense plays us. Yep. And I'm not sure that's true with DeAndre Hopkins, except for the double teams. And so that's what's going to be interesting to see how that offense changes and where the opportunities change. Right. No, great point. And uh, that translates a lot to why Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken, why Hamler is such an intriguing and important piece to the Broncos offense because it's not so much how you play them, it's how the defense has to play them and it'd how be, they adjust. Yep. It'd be nice if the Broncos could get KJ Hamler on one deep ball in week one. If they could just get oh, that'd be one long touchdown, and I mean, he's probably going to have what? Two, three long touchdowns all year? Probably two, if, if we're being like reasonable. If we're calling it like a 50-yarder, 40-yarder. He probably gets two of those all year. If one comes in week one, I, that opens everything up going forward because it's on tape that he can beat you. You're not yeah. just worried about whether he can. Yeah, um, sure. Before we talk about the linebackers in this class, we want to tell you about draft or not DraftKings about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is just so good, just 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 mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. I'm headed over to the DMVR bar tonight. Uh, with Eric and hopefully not just Eric um, to uh, to drink some Breckenridge beers. And I'm really excited. Um, we hype these up a lot, but it's because they really are just our favorites. And that's mm-hmm. what I keep my refrigerator stocked with because it is just such a good value. You can get real good beer at solid cheap prices because they do mass produce it because what they did was so great that Coors was willing to say hey let's upgrade these facilities and we'll take a cut but we got to make more of this and and that's why the price is so low and the beer is so good and I just cannot 
recommend enough Breckenridge beers. Um, you can find them at Davidson's if you're in Colorado, just south of Denver. They have a couple of locations mm-hmm. there. Uh, you can go to grocery stores. You can go to liquor stores. And you can see exactly what is available at which store by going to the Breckenridge Brewery website and using the beer locator there. Uh, you can also get some food from the farmhouse where if you use the code DNVR, you can get $5 off your meal. So that's a great deal. Check mm-hmm. out Breckenridge Brewery. And also check out Manscaped. Manscaped is one of our favorite uh, companies. And I was talking about it on uh, the Buffs pod earlier. But when we were playing the, the match, me and RK against Vic and Mosier. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oddcast Cup. The Oddcast Cup. Yep. We, uh, I, I was in the car driving over. And about two minutes into my drive over, I'm wearing a black shirt. And I was sweating through that black shirt. And I was like, this is disgusting. All day, because of the crop preserver, I was never sweating in my balls, sweating out of my, I, I see, I can't really fit. Cause it's not even like the balls. That's why I feel like it's like the ball pit almost kind of like the armpit. But mm-hmm. the point is my regular deodorant, which I loaded up on because I knew that this was going to be a problem lasted about 10 minutes out the front door. Whereas the crop preserver lasted all day it's such a good product you guys yep, need yep, to yep. check it out you can get it part of, as part of the perfect package 3.0 uh, if you use the code dmvr20 you can get 20 percent off your purchase hmm. um, there's already like a massive discount because that gives you the lawnmower 3.0 it gives you the crop preserver gives you the crop reviver gives you the body wash i can't remember what that's called off the top of my head um the the, the a t-shirt the carrying bay all that stuff mm. and it's cheaper because you're buying the whole bundle plus you get the extra 20 percent off with the code dmvr20 plus you get shipped straight to you it's an incredible value and we are entering the middle of the summer so take advantage of that all right beautiful time to talk about the linebackers yeah um if there's a trend or a theme to this group i think it's a uh, twofold here young henry Oh, really? Yep. It's uh, the NFL's continued obsession for athletes at linebacker. You know, these uh, versatile Mm -hmm. linebackers that have at least coverage potential, Mm -hmm. right? And that's where things can get tricky. And we really saw injury concerns seem to push down some pretty talented guys. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, I think uh, Marcus Bailey and Troy Dye really stand out to me. You know, Bailey, a couple weeks into the season, the star linebacker for Purdue, when he got injured, uh, we were saying, and most of the rest of the media world was saying, you know, this is a first-round guy, um, at least a top 50 guy that just got injured and really hurt his draft stock. Well, geez, he goes first pick of the seventh round to the Bengals, Sadly, he's the third linebacker taken by Cincinnati alone. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing about that is, though, like, I, I do think it's a pretty level playing field. I don't think the Bengals are going into this thinking, okay, time to load up on linebackers. Sure, sure. But when Marcus Bailey is sitting there at the first pick of the seventh round, right. how could you take anybody else? Because he is that talented. You have to mm-hmm. take that bet. And I kind of wish that the Broncos had done it at some point, too. I mean, if, if that Sternod pick had been Marcus Bailey – I think we would have been thrilled. And I think that Sternod is a good prospect. Mm -hmm. Even if he's limited, I think that he has a role in this defense and that'll be fun. But Marcus Mm -hmm. Bailey does have that upside to, to be more than, more than 
a, a just a starter still, yeah. even with yeah. the injuries. And you know, this the, your first point that there there's this emphasis on coverage ability in the NFL. See, that's one that's interesting to me because obviously it's tough to find guys who can cover running backs and tight ends mm-hmm. and be athletic enough to play at the second level of the defense and still stop the run. Yep. But I almost think that some of the tacklers are getting undervalued. You know, we had this discussion mm-hmm. in the chat mm-hmm. for the DNVR Madden league um, about it was, it was a discussion about uh, Blake Martinez. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people think that he's not a good linebacker, right? But he's been top two in tackles in the NFL the last three years and if you run a defense like the Packers are running where you have these big defensive linemen eating up blocks, just trying to make sure blockers don't get to the second level so the, your linebackers can flow and make a play, you need that guy. What you need, though, is to have a Corey Littleton paired with him. Uh, 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 who else? Yeah, a Schobert paired linebacker. with him. Yeah, and, Levante David, someone mm-hmm. like that. And I think that the answer is still that you need that combination. You need both of those two guys playing linebacker, your cover guy and your tackle guy, or mm-hmm. ideally a couple guys who can do both, but there's no way you can afford to pay guys who can do both. But the deals that the Littletons are getting, they're just a bit rich because that's only still half of what you need. You still need a tackler to cover for somebody like that unless you are getting one of those super well-rounded guys, which Corey Littleton is not. Yeah, and that identifies what we're seeing exactly. It's um, it's not too dissimilar from you know guys like Lavisca or Antonio Gibson or Christian McCaffrey, those running backs who are able to receive the ball and really impact the offense in both phases of the game. Uh, Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, these kind of guys, Le'Veon Bell, are so much more valuable. Um, than just uh you know your your straight up runner um mm-hmm. who you can find as an undrafted as a third a day three pick that's what we're seeing here the Corey Littletons are the guys we're spending premium money and premium picks on and those other guys you're like okay I, I can find a Francis Bernard anywhere did Francis Bernard even end up getting getting drafted because he's He's a perfect example of this. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think he even got drafted. Dante Olsen as well from Montana mm-hmm. didn't yeah. get drafted. Another example. And I think that when we're talking, like, you hit it the nail exactly on the head because the linebackers are the response to the running backs. If you have yeah. a Christian McCaffrey and you have a Corey Littleton on the defensive side of the ball, then sure, when Christian McCaffrey flexes out into the slot, Corey Littleton will do much better than just about any other linebacker covering him. But when Christian McCaffrey doesn't flex out and he is just running the ball, that's where Corey Littleton is not a plus player. Malik Harrison, for example, a third-round draft pick, he's kind of the opposite. When Christian McCaffrey is running the ball, that's who you want there. That's who you want filling things up, taking up blockers, brushing blockers to the side, getting into the backfield. When you have to flex them out in coverage, then you're having issues. But either way, you're going to struggle unless you have that well-rounded guy. And I do think that the athleticism there is being overvalued a little bit. Jeez, and how many actually well-rounded guys do you have in this class? You have Isaiah Simmons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He he exceeds the qualifications of the label well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, well, and play and, corner and stuff. I mean, yeah. like, yep. get out of here. It was faster than most cornerbacks, um, that, like almost all cornerbacks in this draft. Kenneth Murray, you're mm-hmm. projecting a little because we know he's a superb athlete. We haven't seen him in coverage a whole lot, and those instincts are raw, but he projects to be if we can get him to be sound in coverage just mm-hmm. instinctually because we know he has the athleticism, he projects to be another well-rounded type. Mm-hmm. Patrick Queen, kind of the reversal. If I can get him to take some better angles, to tackle better, he could be a well-rounded guy too. Mm-hmm. Jordan Brooks is the one incomprehensible guy, right? And we've talked yes. about the Seahawks yes. already. I mean, getting too cute, being very specific to I have the my defense has these requirements so I can get cute and pick out these requirements and neglecting the fact that even the Seahawks defense would benefit from having a guy who's more well-rounded right um and I'm surprised that I thought even those undersized I thought a guy like Akeem Davis Gaither from App State who also went to the Bengals was pretty well-rounded Logan Wilson pretty well-rounded he goes very high um, in the early third round. So it's both athleticism and being well-rounded. And we're seeing gambles on guys like Willie Gay Jr., perfect example. We talked yeah. about him in the AFC West episode, right? Um, so, yeah, just over. Davion Taylor, let's be honest, surprised us all. Yeah, for sure. But, again, because he has that potential. Because – That's right. I mean, he has, if, he has very big potential – in terms of a run stopper and as a cover guy. Yep. As of right now, I don't think he's much of either. I don't think he's big enough to play the run. He definitely doesn't have the cover skills, although he does have the traits that would make you think he could develop the cover skills to do that right right now. And that's why he's a project. Yes. But for me, I look through and see Malik Harrison going in the comp pick uh, portion of the third round that was a really good college linebacker. You know, of a really good college linebacker who could translate to the next level and every team in the league could use a guy like Malik Harrison. Maybe you only get him on the field in third and shorts. Maybe that's the only time. But there is a role. There is a package where you want that guy on the field. Um, Evan and Weaver <laughs> going in the sixth right, round. Right. He should be a fifth rounder, a fourth rounder because there yeah. are situational well, and these guys can follow that Todd Davis mold of you might not like Todd Davis in coverage, but there's a reason he's starting in the NFL for some mm-hmm. pretty bright um, defensive coaches. It's because while he's not explosive, he's not an, a matchup eraser in coverage, he's reliable. He's got a smart IQ. If he gives up a reception, he's not giving up a big play. Mm-hmm. It's because a guy sat down in the zone in front of him and he allowed him to get that eight-yard catch and then came and made contact after the catch, tried to jar the ball out. But he's not letting guys get behind him for big plays all that often. You know, obviously, the defense protected him some. We did see that more in years past mm-hmm. where teams like the Pats on more man-heavy defenses are going to attack the linebackers on wheel routes and stuff. And that's football, man. When you've got a great D-line, you've got great secondary, they're going to attack your linebackers. Like mm-hmm. You've got to deal with it. You can stop a wheel route. You, you can do it. You don't need mm-hmm. to be elite at every single position. You can cover this stuff up with scheme. And the, but Malik Harrison, he follows that model. If you're sound IQ-wise, if you're sound to your assignment, he can have a long career too. And think about this, Hank. This is a great way to kind of 
I think, summarize it all because the conference we focus on most in this podcast, considering you cover it for a living, yep. is the Pac-12. Um, at any point in the draft process, had I told you Davion Taylor would be the highest drafted Pac-12 linebacker, I think we all would have been fairly surprised. Um, mm-hmm. And based on my sure. rankings, I have Troy Dye ahead of him. Yep. Francis Bernard, who went undrafted. Evan yep. Weaver. It fits right into everything we've talked about thus far. Um, and Sternod's interesting, man, because he fits this new school coverage mold. He, he fits it to a T. Very good sideline to sideline. I'm not too impressed with his range moving backwards. Mm. And I don't think he's amazing moving downhill. He's reliable. He's not going to take bad angles, but he's not coming downhill like a bat out of hell to just like shoot through that gap and make the big play. Right. And maybe that's just what you need paired next to Alexander Johnson. And that's it for me. That's why I like that fit because you know, when I say like, you can have these tackle guys, you know, you you can have your Todd Davis who isn't a plus in coverage and it's going to work well if you pair him with somebody who is good in coverage, who can defend his zone and then maybe have just a little bit more range to make a play outside of his zone too, because he's that good of a cover linebacker. And that's why like when we talk about Malik Harrison, Malik Harrison went to the Ravens. The Ravens first round pick was Patrick Queen. That is the type of inside linebacker duo that I would fall in love with. When you look at the Broncos with Sternod, I think what I see is Alexander Johnson, he should be an everyday linebacker. Is he a plush linebacker in coverage? I don't know, but I think he can get there. Just because his length helps him so much mm-hmm. to cover up maybe being just a little bit too clunky to be a true pure cover linebacker. Right. But that means in running situations, you put Todd Davis next to him, that's a great run defense run defensive yeah. pairing right there. Yeah, yeah. In passing situations, you put Justin Sternod next to him, that's a good coverage uh, combination, assuming Sternod translates in the way that I'm willing to project him to. Not yeah. hope, but project him to. I um, think what he'll have to really define is those closing instincts on the ball. Just that, you know, that, that difference between him and Todd Davis could really be fine-tuning those instincts so that where Todd's standing back and ready to tackle, Sternod's ready to make a play on the ball. Just that that closing, and that'll come with IQ and seeing more reps and being in the playbook and studying film and just, you know, even if athletically you might not be able to to jump that moment, Mm -hmm. your mind can allow you to be a step ahead of the action and be there. And his sideline-to-sideline mobility will help as well. But, um, yeah, wanted to make sure we got that out on Sternod as well. And I think that he, where Todd Davis has to sit back a bit to not get beat, just because of Justin Sternod's length, he can take one step forward because he can reach up a little bit higher and make a little bit tougher play on the ball. And, and, and that's the other thing that I really like with his fit with Alexander Johnson is that, I mean, at inside linebackers, the Broncos have like 13, 14 feet of length in terms of just like arm length, in terms of wingspan. And that's, that, that plays a part when you're playing in the middle of the field like that. Yeah. And it's really easy to, to get excited, I think, about right. that pairing, especially when you have Todd Davis who can come in when you either want a third linebacker because it's, it's a goal line situation. You want to go a little bit heavier. You can bring him in, play him in the middle, or you can take out Sternod and have him 
as more of like a run yeah. stuff. Or maybe Sternod's yeah. only in on third and longs and it's Todd Davis the rest of the time. But you just have so many options. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like. You can fit everything you want to do. You know, it's kind of like my Madden team. I mentioned Logan Ryan. I also have Vince Beagle and Kyler Fackrell and uh, Shaq. Uh, oh, Shaq. Not, I had Shaq Thompson. Now Thompson? I have no the the seahawk um, one hand how um, am i forgetting his name um he's gonna win defensive player of the year in the league but but yeah like and then i have like a couple other linebackers i have shane rain there and they're all just situational you use them when you need them and the broncos now have that diversity i think yeah i mean it's not quite madden but sternod was used in the nickel a decent amount and um you know hollins is another guy they can play exactly. inside with length and the other thing is he just needs to be a little better than Todd Davis because he will have guys like Bryce Callahan right next to him in those zones. He'll have guys like Kareem Jackson coming screaming down to close in those zones. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, Alexander Johnson's best third down utility is as a blitzer. Yeah. So then Sternod kind of fills in on that underneath zone and then those, that, that slot defender and that in-the-box safety are kind of taking care of the other um, zones around him. So he'll be covered up from some, some complimentary talent as well. So I don't love it, but I see the fit and I'm intrigued by it. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I agree. I, 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 my favorite part is that Shaq Griffin. Shaq. Yes. Thank you. Is that there are just so many different ways that you can construct this front seven. Now, you know, for the yeah. last few years, starting honestly, like back when they were signing guys like, like Zach Kerr, when it's felt like they really just bought into like, we have six different defensive linemen who are going to see the field with Gotsis. And, 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 and now, now it's like Mike Purcell is going to be out there. Shelby Harris, Jarrell Casey. Uh, they have so many guys who they can put in just the perfect situation. And now I think they can do the same thing with the linebackers, even if they may not have the, the super talented guys, they can put the guys only in the situations where they should succeed. Yeah. At least you hope so. At least you hope so. Opposing offensive coordinators can hunt those matchups if you're too specific. You know, if you're too situational about it, Mm -hmm. then you're already giving up your cards. And but just so many different options, so many different things you can throw it in offense, so many different things you can try. You know, even even if it starts out, Sternod isn't good enough to see the field. Like he is clearly not as good as Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson. If Todd Davis gets burned three times. Sure. Throw Sternod in there and see what happens. That's the baseline that they got with Sternod. Okay. Uh, let's talk now about Strava Craft Coffee. Dre, how good is Strava Craft Coffee? You know, it's so nice, rich coffee. And then the beauty is it's really my go-to for a, a grip now, I guess several years, um, huh. as an afternoon coffee because it doesn't give you all those jitters that, you know, I, I always regret an afternoon coffee mm-hmm. unless it's Strava craft because they have all that great CBD stuff helps with anxiety, IBS, all the other um, medical issues you might have. And just for me, a nice coffee to have in the afternoon without all the downside of having a coffee in the afternoon. And if you do benefit from CBD, it's another great, great use. So, you know, there's really just a lot of reasons to drink and enjoy StravaCraft. And if any of those reasons appeal to you, then you can use the code DNVR20 
to save 20% off your order and get free shipping. Why not just check it out? I feel like I feel like that's what we need to do. We need to have like a DNVR just like trial day. Sampler, yeah. Where, where we can have like, I don't know. Nobody wants to share their lawnmowers, I don't think. Maybe this was a terrible idea. But, uh, but uh, moving along to the question. you went there first and foremost. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, do you want to read the first question while yeah, I pull um, up my uh, draft options? It's simply Nicholas Manning saying, shout out to you guys for the, discussing the impact racial bias has on the black quarterback. Nice work, fellas. Way to dive in and bring to light what most know but won't talk about. Well, there we go. Thank you for thanking us. Yeah, you bet. I'm I'm just glad we're seeing less of that and uh, that in some way modern football is eliminating that bias yeah. because we're really Seriously. seeing some amazing talents at the quarterback position. Yep. Could you imagine if this was 15 years ago? Like, who knows what would have happened? Would they, would they have been drafted at all? Would they have been yeah, drafted knows? but not given opportunities? Would one flaw? Who knows? But it is who just knows? great to see that things are getting better. Yeah, and you wonder, I mean, how open, um, you know, like would the, would the pro game would have been more open to adopting the triple option stuff we were seeing 30 yeah. years ago? Um, yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe this is really that inflection of football um, where you can, really, you can really see more diverse schemes and that's bringing more, more diversity on the field at all positions. And it's a beautiful thing. Yep, exactly. Do you have it open or should I read Tommy's question? Um, Boy, slow loading I, today, huh? You, you read the question and then we'll get into this after. Tommy says, hey guys, what's up? I was listening to an interview with Derek Tuska and he said that he's going to be playing outside linebacker. Do you all think that's a good spot for Derek? Or do you think they're playing him out of position like they did with Shelby Harris last year? <sighs> you do wonder if it's a bit Demarcus Walkery. Um, of course, Walker wasn't moved to outside linebacker and still, until injuries kind of forced him to do that. But no, look, um, Tuska did this at North Dakota State. He was a defensive end, but he'd be a stand-up edge from time to time. In a 3-4 like the Broncos, he'll, he'll end up having to do that. More realistically, Tuska probably won't see the field unless it's a nickel front where it is a four-man front and he's playing more like a conventional defensive end. But that is kind of the role that he needs to be groomed into um, long-term at this point. So, yeah, that's um, uh, I'm not surprised by that, though. Again, outside linebacker, edge, hand in the dirt. Eh, don't read too much into it because I do think some of his reps – will come as a conventional defensive end when they go to a four-man front in uh, those nickel looks. Yeah. Okay, Hank. Um, I have one note there. Oh, please. This was, this, he's one of those players where, you know, it's the high production that gets him drafted, probably doesn't have the traits to be successful at the NFL level. And that's this is one of the players that it just, like, kills me that preseason is being cut short. And I know that everybody hates the preseason except me, and I'm, like, the only one – who says like, I love all four preseason games because how often do you get a chance? You know, I've been heavy on the Levante Bellamy train. If there are only two preseason games, who knows if we see him at all, he might not mm. even get a shot yep. with four preseason games. You have a chance to have like a bit of a tough start and then learn and get better. And he would be so much fun to watch. I want to watch three games of Sternod so that if he doesn't play, we at least know why Tuska yeah. Tyree Cleveland, 
probably not much of a factor. But let's at least see what he is. He's a big, fast guy. He could be fun. Uh, I, I, I understand why people don't like the preseason. I get that a lot of the guys aren't even going to make the roster. But the drama of seeing who earns a spot on the roster and seeing what the depth of the team is looking like is one of my favorite parts of the year. I love going to training camp for that exact reason, just sitting on the hill and watching and being like, oh, wow, this guy might actually be dope. He might be dope. And then you get yeah. to the preseason game. It's like, oh, no, he's for real. Like Phil Lindsay. But, yeah. Um, no, totally. It's a great point on Bellamy. I thought my first thought was, man, what, like, Jake Butt, dude. Yep. Like, yep. Jake Butt. He probably is out of a roster spot because yep. of this. And like he truly last chance anyway. saloon. I know. I know. But still to have. Yeah, no. It, it just limits uh, prep and it really does force mm-hmm. those guys on the bubble to even have even more of an uphill road, um, uphill battle. Yep. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, think of the legends that have come through the Broncos because of preseason. Terrell Davis. Yeah, Terrell Davis. Like, I mean, seriously. guys like Rod Smith and Eddie Mack. Chris Harris. Yeah. Does Chris Harris make the roster without four preseason games? It's uh, tough. It's I tough don't for those undrafted guys. Yeah. No. There's right. a reason that there are four, and I, I just, I just stop it. Give me my football. Stop Dave. taking football away from me. We'll adjust. Oh. We'll adjust. Everyone will adjust. You'll have more practice squad spots. They'll have another chance down yep. the road. Okay. Well, uh, let's jump into this draft. So here's the deal. There's a Henry's talking about his own dynasty draft. Yes. Uh, So there's the DMVR Madden league. Uh, the same guys who set up shout out Timmy in particular from Sweden for setting this up. Um, he set up the Madden league. He also set up a dynasty league for some Mm -hmm. of the Madden guys. I jumped in. It is a 16 team dynasty league. Sick. We are currently in round. 24 of this draft which means the options are limited there are defensive players what i really need right now is just somebody with some upside preferably running back and receiver Mm. dre i'm sharing my screen with you right yeah you can i i mean i think look no further than justice hill really oh i've the moment the ravens drafted him i thought adding that kind of speed to that Ravens offense having running RPOs with Lamar and this dude, forget it. Really? Justice Hill, I think, has just infinite upside. They have Mark Ingram and they have uh, J.K. Dobbins. That that doesn't scare you away. The thought Dobbins, that he never get a shot. Dobbins, I think, will. So Ingram, you know, he's a running back. He he won't last much longer. Um, what's going to happen is then Dobbins will be kind of the power um, north and south guy, and Justice Hill will be the the big weapon outside. I mean, David Moore could be intriguing. Uh, Bryce Love. I know some people are high on Bryce Love. They think he might have a a nice little year. Yeah, go back to the first page. Okay. You know, Miles Boykin's the other one, the wide receiver from um, for the Ravens, former Notre Dame cat, who, who's got some upside there. I mean, I like Traquan Smith, too. Mm-hmm. It's a PPR. It is PPR. Oh, well, Adam Humphreys seems like he's lasted a while. But if you're going upside, I mean, I'm telling you. Justice, Justice Hill. Hill. Justice at. Hill will be the pick then. Let's, Let's do it. Beautiful. 
All right. Thank you, Dre. You're welcome. If I win, then uh, I'll cut you in somehow. Sure. I mean, if Justice Hill makes a significant contribution, (laughs) (laughs) I think it'd be worth it. If not, then uh, no need at all. All right. Very nice. Um, Do you want to look at my team real quick just because we're on here? Actually, no. Let's do this after. Nobody else cares. Okay. Um, So do we have one more question? Yeah. Hip Hop Array. Hip Hop Array? Yep. Uray. Uray. Is that a bird? Is that a plane? No, it's the DMVR Broncos draft pod. What? Where? Miss, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miss you guys filling me in on everything college related because I rarely get to see or follow anything college football. Without the good folks at DMVR, I seriously wouldn't know what to look for in the draft prospects of the upcoming season. So thank you so much. Anyways, a couple of things I have thought about. You guys talk very highly about Bellamy as a potential running back option for the upcoming year. What exactly can he bring to this team? Can he beat out Freeman for a spot? You guys mentioned odds for the national championship for this upcoming year, and I want to know, is there a true dark horse that could be in the conversation, or is the gap between the mid-majors and the Power Five just too big now? Could we ever see a team like Boise State ever get into the playoffs? As always, keep up the great content. Go Broncos and DMVR. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. That is so nice. Well, Bellamy, Hank, what do you like about Bellamy? What well, is it that I mean, has you so intrigued? There's this, just the speed, the balance. And I mean, more than anything, it's the production. Anybody yeah. who puts up, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but 1,700 yards, 25 touchdowns like all these ridiculous numbers that he had and he's just picking defenses apart and there weren't a lot of uh power five teams on the schedule for western michigan but michigan state was one of them and he really did hold his own i i i think that what you like there is the home run hitting ability and more than that it's that that home run hitting ability feels like it gives you unlimited upside for a running back you know, for as much as you like some guys, like, uh, I don't know, it's hard. Who's a guy, I mean, like Royce Freeman will never be an elite NFL running back because he isn't going to be breaking 40, 50 yarders for you. I, 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 think yes. that, I, I think that that's something that Levante Bellamy can get you. The question is, how many snaps are there in between the runs where he does break out a big game before he does get loose for 20 yards? And is he consistently finding holes? He looks like he was doing it before. I think that especially with the way that running backs have found success coming through the undrafted ranks and how successful he was in college and just the way that his skill set fits, um, maybe not Phil Lindsay-ish, but there are some similarities there that make you think that he could fit into this offense, especially as the third guy. Will he beat out Royce Freeman? I sure hope somebody does. I sure hope somebody does. I, I yeah, you're kind I of counting on it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, anything you want to add, Dre? No, because he, uh, you're counting on it, not because we're anti-Royce, but because he can be more dynamic. Not only is Royce not breaking big, big runs, which was always my concern, the long speed, he's just not making defenders miss in space. Yep. And if you're, if you're not doing that, in the, in the NFL, every play for the running back is designed to get him in a one-on-one opportunity, if you're not winning those one-on-one opportunities almost ever, you, you're not really valuable to the team. And that's where Bellamy is very intriguing because of his feet. Um, his hips are so smooth, man. He's a guy who, um, 
really impressive for how he can on a cut is able to just plant that outside foot and then those those hips kind of straighten up and he he hits the ground running that burst is incredibly impressive 39 inch vertical you want to talk lower body explosiveness mm -hmm. that's really really impressive that's a dunk champion type stuff um and then there's some intrigue for him as a pass catcher um which yeah. is really nice so you'd be going a little smaller a little more dynamic a little more speed if you chose him as your third running back over Royce Freeman but I think Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay have shown you enough between the tackles to trust them and go with someone um, yep. who does bring a diverse skill set so that's why he has us excited um, just because he's bring more of a big play element more explosiveness more running uh, passing game value um, to Royce so yeah yep and uh, to get to the second part of the question yeah. dark horse national champion um, this year no and if you're calling so if you're calling the dark horse a non-power five school, right, exactly. then, then that's not no. going to happen. Could yeah. it happen for Boise state for a Memphis for a UCF? Then yeah, I, I think at some point it definitely could, you could see them get into the conversation um, with the way that the TV deals are set up and the, the way they kind of point toward there being a conference realignment coming in the first five years. That's when you'd really expect to see it. Um, probably right. will happen before the next time there are major shifts to the conferences. And in those shifts, you know, UCF could turn out to be a power five school or there could be, it could turn out to be power seven instead of power five, or there are so I many mean, different ways that things could so shake out. Something crazy would have to happen. Yes. For, For at, as presently structured. And that's not like, like a worldwide pandemic crazy. Um, it's like, you know, Boise goes undefeated. Uh, maybe you have the top two teams are also looking like locks, but the third and fourth ranked teams are teams that end up with two wins and maybe their best wins aren't even all that impressive. Like an undefeated Boise who also rank, who also maybe beat, let's say, USC in the out-of-conference mm -hmm. schedule, but USC turns out to win the Pac-12. Mm -hmm. So they've got actually a more quality win than like the team that ended up winning the Big 12 in a weak year for the Big 12, and they sneak in as the fourth seed. Um, and then that's the really hard part is how the hell does a team like Boise beat the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the LSUs yep. of the world in a, a two-game playoff? Um, but we should mention, I think in a lot of ways, had you told me that LSU was going to win the national championship, I would have said that is one hell of a dark horse. Yep. Last year, it seemed like anyone but Clemson or Alabama with Tua and Trevor Lawrence coming back was impossible. And yet LSU came through and beat both those teams and or just ran the table um, in a way we haven't really seen. So, Yep. That's the beauty of college football. Just when you think it's going to get predictable, some, some fun, someone comes out of nowhere like that um, and, and has an unbelievable season. But as far as Power 5 and G5, yeah, that's a, it's an uphill battle as presently constructed. Here's a question for you, Dre. What you say in like a hypothetical world, DraftKings gives you like a $20 free bet, um, says like, you hit this, we'll give you $1,000 the odds are the same no matter which option you pick. Would you take the Jacksonville Jaguars to win a Super Bowl this year? Or would you take a non-Power 5 school to win a Super Bowl in the next 
three years. Yeah, I definitely take um, a G five like a Boise yeah. State or a Memphis or a UCF to win the national championship over the Jaguars to win the Super Bowl this year. Yep. Uh, what if we were to swap out the Jaguars for, say, the Bears? Yeah, maybe I take the Bears then. So that's okay. So that's about where the cutoff is. Just so like, yeah. if you guys don't watch college football, that'll give you some perspective. Um, right. in terms of like a dark horse this year, let's not go. Yeah. Let let's say it can still be Power Five. I really like Penn State. Again, yes. those running backs are so good. The offensive line should be so good. They have the tight end. There are like some question marks, like what is the rest of the team? But I do think that uh, you can look at that team and like a lot of what you see. Um, Wisconsin, about the same thing. I know that some people don't have them as quite a, much of a dark horse. I know a few, uh, at least a few months ago, they were seen as at least like a top seven contender, um, if not top five. But I think that's another one that you could really watch for. Even with Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor gone, I know that they like the other running backs. Um, they have a, a young quarterback who was rated as the top in the country, and he's competing with the guy they had last year who was able to carry him to a, Roll Bowl, a Rose Bowl comp- appearance. Um, and so I do like a lot of what they're doing as well. Um, anything you like, Dre? Funny that you stuck to the Big Ten almost entirely there. Yeah. Um, and yet I agree with you. I'm, I'm going back to the well. I'd say Minnesota. I think huh. Minnesota's an yeah. intriguing. They're bringing back a lot of talent, man. That was a really good team last year. Um, yep. And I agree with you on Penn State. I think Notre Dame can be sneaky good. But, you yep. know, they're ranked in the top 10. So I don't know that that's even all that much of a dark horse. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, and there you go. I'll throw USC out there, too. Again, they're fighting their coaching staff. I don't think the coaching staff is going to be good enough to – turn yep. all that talent into a winner but they have the quarterback and if they just don't screw that team up like they consistently have uh they could be right in it down to the end agreed is that it for today that does it only an hour and uh let's not do the math um <laughs> that's gonna do it for today if you guys have any questions for us we will be back next week talking through another division another position group and whatever else is going on We appreciate the questions. We appreciate all of you for listening and we will see you next week.